this week on Dig Me Out. Does that make sense? I think so. I don't know. You trailed off there. I did. The cat started (laughs) scratching me, so I kind of got... I kind of got distracted. Oh, I hear you. Tim and Jay review, Bang, The Earth is Round by The Sugar Plastic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me for episode 171, our fourth season, Mr. Jason... Ziak. Jay, after a uh, week off from our string of requested reviews, we are back with another one. It's a band that I have not heard of, Jay. They're called the Sugar Plastic. Now, there were a lot of bands in the in the 90s that used the word sugar. Were, weren't there? Yeah. Also, Super. Lots of bands with Super. Yep. If you had a band called Super Sugar... Uh, <laughs> That'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. Jay, were you, are you familiar with Sugar Plastic? No. Nope. Yeah, me neither. Although the album cover looked semi-familiar, like something I would have seen in like a bargain bin. Yeah. Yeah. So Patrick Vaguely. Patrick Enright is the person who uh, suggested we check this out. Requested, requested review. review. And when he uh, requested it, he said, I'm requesting the album Bang, The Earth is Round by the band The Sugar Plastic. This was on DGC, but you'd be hard-pressed to have heard it about heard about it when it came out. Great XTC-influenced power pop. The first three tracks are classic, but don't miss Polly Brown at track seven either. So that's what Patrick had to say. About what was the first the, one? Polly Brown, what was the other song? Uh, that was the only uh, it was the only song he mentioned. Oh, okay. He said the first three tracks are classics. Oh, okay. Uh, and then he mentioned Polly Brown, which was uh, we'll get to it later. But that was the single for the for the album that David or that uh, the David Geffen Company, otherwise known as D- DGC, they pushed to radio when this came out. So let's get into some history of the Sugar Plastic. History of the band. It was formed by Ben Eschbach and Kiara Geller in the late 80s. Uh, Geller was learning to play bass. Eschbach was a guitar player, and they bonded over some similar tastes in music. and started jamming with drummer Josh Lehner in December of 89. They rehearsed in a local appliance store owned by Lehner's father, uh, went through a bunch of different names, ended up on the Sugar Plastic. They... Played together for about a year before actually having a lead singer. They were just jamming uh, instrumentally. And then Eschbach ended up uh, moving into the vocal or taking on the vocal duties. In 91, they recorded a demo and started playing around Los Angeles. And the band gained the attention of Pronto Records, which released an EP of uh, their demos and some other material called Ottawa Bonesaw. Uh, sorry, no, that that was not Ottawa Bonesaw. That was just the uh, EP that they released. And then Ottawa Bonesaw came out in 1993, which was a collection of six singles that they had put together um, by indie label Small Fi. They went into the recording, they went into the studio um, to record their debut full-length album, Radio Jejun. They were approached during those sessions by Geffen Records 
and signed to the label, but they requested that the album that they were currently recording be released by their uh, label they were on at the time called Sugar Fix. So their actual David Geffen Company release, I don't know why I like just calling like calling it that, is Bang the Earth is Round. That's the album we're reviewing. It's their second full-length album released in 1996. The single Polly Brown went to radio but did not get much airplay. They chose Andy Metcalf of Squeeze and the Soft Boys to produce their next record, that took a while, and it actually was four years later before they released their third album, Resin, in 2000. Um, it was also uh, a bit drawn out because drummer Josh Laner left the band and was replaced by David Cunningham. At that point, the band put together a collection of demos and B-sides called Primitive Plastic, and that was released in 2001. Two years later, they released 7x7x7, a collection of singles. That was out in 2003. Then the last full-length album that the band recorded, called Will, was released in 2005. That is the history of the Sugar Plastic. And I've I've read it two ways. I've read it as just Sugar Plastic, and then I think um, they've also used The Sugar Plastic. So I'll just refer to them as The Sugar Plastic... Whether the T is capitalized or not, you'll have to make that up in your own mind. Uh, If you'd like to suggest an album for us to review, visit Quest Review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. So, Jay, it's it's about that time where we get to uh, Facebook feedback. So what did people on Facebook have to say about the sugar plastic? Well, I'm going to Facebook... Uh, right now because I forgot to uh, I forgot to copy that over oh that's right David Gorgos Dirty Gert he was the one who chimed in I remember this he said here's a band that tried way lots of A's in that too hard to be quirky I can't find anything technically wrong the high guitar notes and high pitched singing are annoying but competent but nothing to suck me in either interesting comments from Mr. Gorgos. So, Jay, for this one, I think we should do um, what I liked, what I didn't like. The 12-song album. And uh, last week we went track by track through uh, the new Afghan Wigs record. So I think, like, change it up. Go what I liked, what I didn't like. What do you think about that? Uh, We can do that. All right. So let's first talk about what we liked about the record. First thing I want to mention, and then I'll throw it to you is uh, something uh, David brought up, and which is the guitar notes. Um, I'm just talking about the guitar playing overall. I, I really actually liked the guitar playing quite a bit on this record. Um, it's pretty inventive. There's a lot of stuff that reminds me of you know, the, the XTC comparison that, that Patrick made is, is pretty obvious. Um, but there's some stuff that reminds me of uh, Talking Heads, and then it jumps to, like say, the Pixies. There's, there's a uh, track two, or excuse me, track three, Don't Sleep, which is not one of my favorite songs on the record, but um, they go into a riff that kind of reminds me of uh, Gouge Away by the Pixies. They do a lot of interesting, just not, uh, it's not showy in the sense of like a guitar virtuoso, but they throw in these little interesting parts. Another Myself is a good example 
where um, it's a pretty tight pop song overall. Um, it's only not even three minutes long, but there are a lot of different guitar parts that are going on in that song that um, you can kind of sink your teeth into in terms of their, you know, having this jangly guitar pop uh, sound, but with some really interesting bits and pieces here and there. Soft Jingo is another one where it's a it's a pretty so- quiet song, but has this really loud, cool guitar solo. What about you, Jay? What's something that you liked about the record? Well, I like that it's 12 tracks and only 39 minutes. <laughs> Let's start That there. is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that uh, you know, with all those tracks, it actually is pretty short. Yeah, I, I get what uh, Dirty Gert's saying here. There is some, it's very confident. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, and I agree with what you're saying in terms of there are some very interesting performances um, and even approach to songwriting here. You know, it's not, uh, I wouldn't say it's conventional um, in terms of how the songs are structured. Yeah, I think those are, those are some good things. I think sonically it sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the production wise. It's a great sounding record. It, it kind of reminds me of um, a little bit at times, almost like a John Bryan kind of thing with the, how orchestrated all the performances are and, the variety of sounds that are used on the record and it's got a classic kind of um you know roots a good studio sound you know it's not uh it has a room feel to it and everything's just you know very well tuned in or you know the tones are great everything's tuned in great and so i mean it's 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 easy to listen to um so you know i think for all of those reasons it's a pretty despite it being 12 songs it's a pretty easy record to get through um the more time you spend with it i think you probably at least i did i felt i was becoming more critical of it the more time i spent with it at first blush i was pretty impressed with it but uh i think the more i analyzed it the more i thought about it uh it it was easy to find some flaws yeah and there are i guess there's two types of flaws that I, I found on this record. So I'm going to jump to some things I didn't like. One is I think that there are some really blatant rips from other artists. I don't know if they're intentional or not, but when I heard them, it was so clearly another song that it just sort of drove me nuts. And it happens in the first song, which I, I really like the first track, Another Myself. But when you get to the chorus... He sings the line, you are becoming a a late riser. And when he hits that late riser part, it is is exactly the same melody in Paul McCartney's Jet. When he he goes to Ah Mater, uh, and he goes, much later. It's it's the exact same melody as Late Riser. And I was like, it it was baffling me for like two days. What is that melody? I know that melody. I knew it was Beatles, but I was like, is it Day Tripper? Like, what? what?" Uh, And every time I would think of a song, I'd be like, no, it's not that one. It's not that one. Yeah, you nailed it. Trying to avoid 
And there's just little bits and pieces that were driving me nuts throughout the record where I'd hear this and I'd go, oh, that's somebody else. Oh, that's that's the Knack. Oh, that's the Pixies. That's McCartney again. That's, you know, those were sort of things where I was like, it was just bugging me that I was able to pick these things out so quickly. Um, or not quickly, but so like blatantly. You know, there's it's one thing to be, you know, show your influences on your sleeve and it's another thing to like actually play those influences in into the songs sure um so that was that was one thing that bugged me the thing that david said about it being you know quirky um yeah that that does bother me quite a bit on some of the song i would say like half the record i think is really strong really strong quirky power pop in a good way and then half the record is really quirky power pop in in a bad way that reminds me of like they might be giants yep. or presidents of the United States. Yeah. Those that end of it where I just kind of want to pull my hair out. Because yeah. there's a very fine line between those two things. And uh Don't Sleep is a good example. Um they put this horrible vocal effect <laughs> on that song. Yeah, it's like a, qu- a quivering kind of a... Yeah, vibrato. Yeah. And, and to be honest, that song doesn't work for me for another reason, which is because it doesn't sound cohesive. It sounds like a collection of parts sort of just lined up one after the other. Whereas a song like Another Myself, all those parts like build and build and build, and it seems like a more much more cohesive song. Yeah, and the the recognizing of all the various parts is where I started. That was one of the first things I started to analyze the more I listened to it and try to... I kind of went with it because I think in most cases they are skilled enough that they can uh, make the transitions, but you can't help but as you're you know breaking the song down to realize like how many parts you went through before you got to a chorus, you know? I mean, you're talking... Um, another myself you know you could break it down but by the time you start this on to where you get to that late riser part you're talking about there's like Mm -hmm. six parts there you know and um some of those do feel at times lifted from some other places um so i think as i became more critical of it yeah i'm totally on the same page as you where you start to think like boy it's just like a collage of a bunch of other songs that they like and they've throw them back together into their own into their own song <laughs> like um how much of this is you know truly inspired and coming from an original place and how of it's how much of it's borrowed from other other people um and then the other the other part that they walk this fine line of being um quirky in the sense of like i don't know like the pixies or like early death cat for cutie like you know, when you when they're quirky in that way, it, it makes sense. Even when mm-hmm. they're quirky in the Beatles sense, you know, uh, like White Album quirky, where it's kind of there's a there's a wittiness to it and sort of a sense of humor and um and, and just uh, moments of being bizarre. And then there's when you go over the line and you become they might be giants or you know you almost start to sound like you're writing songs for kids. You know, yeah. they're so wacky and zany sounding that in it crosses the line to just being silly, which, you know, I'm not compelled by that in any way. And there's obviously, there's some, definitely some moments where they do that. Um, Polly Brown is one of those moments for me. 
it's just a little too i don't know it sounds like a song for for that for for kids or something you know um when they can stay out of that area and they can actually have a little bit of edge to them you know i think they make some pretty good some pretty compelling music they don't write great songs you know they don't have really i mean that was the the final thing that I sort of broke down about this record for me was uh, just trying to get to are these songs any good or are, or am I being fooled by some crafty musicianship and you know in producing um, and, and I think I think it's I think it's the latter I don't I don't think the songs are particularly great I think that um, they are held together by the production of the record and the, and the performances and the playing and not necessarily the the material itself. Yeah, I think that the album starts to take a very bad turn for me at Little Teeth. That's where I was like, "Oh, we're going to go this way now. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to go into that they might be giants sort of end yeah. of the spectrum." Whereas when you get to, I think after the first two songs, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is like a this is a Beatles meets Pixies sort of weird power pop thing going on." Mm-hmm. Um, Sheep, I, I I think that's. If not yeah. my favorite song in the record, one of the top two. So um, I felt like that was really Pixies. Like yeah, it is. It is with a a bit more refined take, and and there were and there were elements of it that were, you know, ways that the things that Pixies wouldn't do. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is sort of a, a bad detour with that vocal effect. And yeah. I thought Transworld modal operator got back into that sort of McCartney-esque sound. So I was sort of like, okay, what is this? The record's back on track. I, I kind of like where this is going. Um, and then it just became really hit or miss. Little Teeth I didn't like. Montebello, I thought the, the vocal in and the, the music in the verses was really interesting. Actually, kind of reminded me of uh, the verses in My Sharona. I don't know if you picked up on that. Um, oh, yeah. But then the chorus was just a letdown. It, just, yeah. it went to a, like a very lame chorus for me. Um, and the rest of the record has bits and pieces that I like, but they never, they never got back to that performance and that songwriting that you hear on the first two tracks. And I think that that's where the, the band really shines is on those yeah. first two tracks. And then it really never comes back around. Yeah, they they do a, something on the first two tracks where it's unconventional in terms of it's on a verse chorus verse chorus kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. they they build to something and <clears throat> they mix it up enough that it stays interesting, but there's still some hooks mixed in there and some interesting melodies. 
yeah, and the rest of after that, it's there are moments that get close, but there are old many that are what competent or not very compelling. I think part of the problem with the back half of the record is it turns into like a genre record where you're like, oh, that's their like, uh, you know, 50s doo-wop song yeah. with Say Katie or that's their like country influenced song. Yep. Um, I don't want, I don't want to hear them try to tackle different, you know, elements of popular music in the last 50 years. I want to hear them creating their own unique take on these things, which they do on the first couple tracks. Um, I, I did like Ohio though. Um, just, uh, and I like the sort of like a Simon and Garfunkel melody or harmony. And, um, I think it would make sense in an album context with the first couple songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably one of the um, the times when you can tell what they're trying to do, but it didn't bother me. Maybe just because you don't hear that very often, and they pull it off pretty fairly well. But uh, maybe because it's called Ohio. <laughs> but I, I, I sort of I felt that that song was one of the more successful ones at the tail end of the record. Yeah. What well, what. <laughs> Anytime you have a song that you can sort of, like sort of create a personal connection to, you're probably going to be more lenient towards it. Because with that song, say Katie, obviously with my wife being named Katie, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I could kind of like this is a song about. Um, I think it's by asking a, a woman to. I don't, I don't know if it's a fictional song or if it's a you know biographical or whatever, but a, a, asking the a woman named Katie to marry you, and I was like, oh. Maybe that would have been nice to have, you know, played back when I was uh, dating Katie and I, I wanted to pop the question and I was like, she would have punched me if I'd done that. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So, no. so, Jay, let's talk about our overalls, not the clothing that we wear, but our overall feeling uh, on this record. If you were to rate it, would you give it a worthy album, a better EP? Or a decent single. Well, I think you. I think we've talked, or at least through the conversation we've had here, I, I think I've talked myself into a, a lower rating. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think coming into it, I was feeling. I think because of the the performance and the sound that it was a worthy record. You know, I think those are two things that like if I can get through listening to it without being like annoyed, <laughs> you know, the first couple times that's, it's almost like at this point, I, I consider that a worthy record. Um, I think we, I need to raise the bar a little bit more um, based on the, the amount of tracks that I've highlighted here of, of liking and what we've discussed, you know, I'm only at, um, I'm only at about five songs. So, uh, I think it, I think it's an EP. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I actually went the other way. I was down to probably about a single, and I decided to add like two more songs. So I'm I'm at about four songs um, that I'd be comfortable with. So I'd be in at an EP as well. I think tracks one and two, honestly, yeah, that's a great pairing. And then you could add uh, the way this is, which is a nice short little track, about a minute mm-hmm. twenty. And then put, I, I do agree with you in Ohio. That is a nice track. Um, you put that with uh, the other three, and 
I think you got a nice little EP there. So the way it is, it's when it song starts off, you're like, oh, wow, this is almost like the cars or Weezer or something like they're just really like really fun driving um, uh, melody and rhythm to it. And then it, it just doesn't go anywhere. Um, yeah. It gets to the chorus. And you're like, oh, well, there should have been a mega hook here and there's not. OK. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> so, it's a good song, but not a great song where it could have yeah. gone somewhere big but I, this is a band that did you know for as poppy as they are and, and and the influences that they're clearly displaying there's there's not big hooks on the record no so that's i guess the overall failure of the record of why this is not a worthy album is that yeah it's like a, not killer hooks they, they're basically a pop band i mean they, they um elevate their the musicianship elevates it a little bit more but at the end of the day i mean this isn't Radiohead, you know, I mean, they're, they're trying to write pop songs here. So, or at least I, I would think if this is going to work and they just don't have, they don't have the hooks. So no, it's like presence, United States of America with better musicianship and less like hooks, right. less choruses, which is, you know, kind of left in a weird place. No peaches on this album. That's for sure. Or, or lump. But uh, there are there is some cool guitar work. So, well, first of all, we need to thank Patrick for bringing this to us. This is an interesting record. Neither of us have heard it and had heard it before. And um, we found some stuff that we liked. So that's always a good thing. And uh, we want to remind people, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us positive feedback over at iTunes. You can, of course, be like Patrick. Head on over to our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com request an album for us to review uh, if you are a listener on uh, radio io or stitcher we want to thank you for checking us out and remind everybody that you can head on over to digmeoutpodcast.com for updates every day of the week well except for wednesday we take wednesday off but uh, every day new and interesting posts for our uh listeners to check out for all the bands we're going to be reviewing and all the bands that uh, we have reviewed. Does that make sense? I think so. I don't know. You trailed off there. I did. The cat started (laughs) scratching me. So I kind of got, I kind of got distracted. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. So that's it. That's another one in the books. We're going to wrap this one up and say, thanks for everybody for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Why these numbers never bother him? Take the matter up with good Lord Jim. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages.